going to start with scripture this morning out of Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Um, I'll be reading from the message. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected. I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right all these centuries, is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. Spirit of voice. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. just reflecting on it as I was worshiping, and here we are today, just hearing the different sounds, you know, the geese earlier, and the, and the hear the birds singing, and you know, the kids walking by, and I'm just, uh, every time we're here, and, and I've been in churches where, like, you know, I, I'm speaking on, like, the edge of the Amazon River, you know what I mean, like, in, in forests, and all different kinds of places, and each time I do, when I, when I gather like this as a, as a church family, I'm reminded that this kind of this, this is more like what Jesus experienced, you know, when he was out, like, in public, like, just on a mountainside, there were people, there were kids running around, and, and he would just, they would just speak, you know, and they were used to kind of the chaos of it, and so, uh, let's just kind of embrace that, look, they're going to be, you know, there, there will be some sounds around us, and kids, and, and geese, and whatever, but, I'm just, this is kind of inspiring, you know, so let's just hear from the word today, just a simple message today from scripture that you heard, some of you are very familiar with this passage, but um, sticks and stones may you can participate. <laughs> Thanks for wearing the masks, by the way. I know it's a pain, but sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. Maybe you said those in your lifetime on a playground or at the schoolyard or something like that. And, you know, someone made fun of you or said something to you that, that they thought was going to be, you know, hurtful or whatever. And you said those hoping that they were true. Uh, and if, you're, if you've experienced those, you probably walked away from that knowing that they aren't true. Uh, that, well, the sticks and stones part, that, you know, that, that may break your bones. But the words, words do hurt. You know, words can build up, words can tear down, words can, words can create, words can redeem, words are powerful. That's what I want to explore with you for a few minutes this morning, okay? It's just, let, let's reflect together on, on the power of words, of spoken words, from our spoken words and spoken words from God. That's what I want to focus on in this passage today that, that, that Sarah read for us. Think about the power of spoken words and experience. Um, when I was reflecting on this, I'm thinking of like, maybe, maybe you can do this while I'm talking, you can let your, your mind wander if you want to, like, words that someone spoke to you that really impacted you, or in a situation in which you heard spoken words that just changed the trajectory of what was happening at that moment. I think of times like, uh, you know, I love to watch sports, and, and, you know, there's so many times where there's, you know, the first half of the game, there's one team that's beating the other team, the team that's losing really badly, you know. 
it's not going well, they're not playing well, their strategy isn't working, whatever, and they go into halftime, and they come out the second half, and something has completely changed, right? They, they, they've turned the corner, they're playing better, and they, they end up winning the game, and inevitably, inevitably, 100% of the time, I'm confident in saying, when they're interviewed, when a player's interviewed after the game, what's the first question that's asked? What did they say at halftime? We just we know that words make a difference. If it was the words, they assume it was the words that were spoken in that locker room that changed things. Right? So that's just kind of a, that's kind of a you know a trivial way that words are powerful. But think about how powerful words are in relationships. Words can build up, words can tear down. Think of words that have just made a world of difference to you in relationships that you have, maybe with a parent or a child. You know, powerful words like, like I love you or I'm proud of you. Or on the other side, words that hurt, words like I'm disappointed in you. Or, or I hate you, maybe you heard that on the playground. I was reflecting on this, you know, when, uh, you know the, when the moment when a, a man and a woman go from fiancés to husband and wife? Think about that for a second. There's a moment in that ceremony where, where the pastor's standing up and all of this stuff has happened and they've said their vows and all those kind of things. And, and what does he or she say? I now pronounce you husband and wife. And in that moment... We believe because those words were spoken in that moment, their relationship has changed in that moment. Isn't that interesting? Words, if you think about the words that have shaped our nation, it doesn't take long for us to think, you know, in, in American history, how powerful words have been to shape our nation. You think of, you know, Abraham Lincoln uh, giving his... Um, at the Gettysburg Battlefield in 1863, I have to look at my notes for the date. I'm not a historian, so forgive me. Historian. 1863, on the battlefield, the Union Cemetery, dedicating it, right? He said he passed a vision for our country, quote, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. During slavery, during a civil war, the country that we envision is a country that all people are created equal. That was foundational for our country. That really did change the trajectory of our country, those few words. I think 100 years later, Martin Luther King Jr., 1963, in his I Have a Dream speech, you know, at the, at the base of the Lincoln Memorial. With this faith, he said, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. Shape our nation. Continues to shape our nation. Personally, words are powerful. 
collectively, kind of as a nation, words are powerful. Words, words change things. That's what I want to reflect on in the words in our passage today. And just think about the significance of these words to Jesus. If you follow in the Old Testament, before Jesus' time, the Israelites, as they were following God and following his commands and worshiping him, the voice of God played a central role in who they were and who they were becoming. Just one example is Psalm 29. King David writes, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Why should we worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness? Listen to this. Verse 3, he says, The voice of the Lord thunders. Verse 4, The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Verse 7, The voice of the Lord flashes, uh, strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. He reminds us, remind us in verse 10, It's the Lord who sits enthroned as king forever. And of course, they worship the Lord's voice based on Genesis chapter 1. Everything you see right here. Just, just look around. Everything you see, everything you hear. Everything we can touch. Our bodies. Everything that was created. At some point there was nothing. At another point there was something. What, what made the nothing into the something? You, you know this, right? God didn't shape it silently like a sculptor. Like, that's not how he chose to, he could have chosen anyway, you know, to create, right? He could have chosen any way. How did he choose to go from nothing to something? He spoke. So we see in the Bible, spoken words created. Spoken words from the king are worthy of worship. Spoken words, we experience the power of the spoken word. And so here we have Jesus experiencing the creator king speaking about him. Let's look at this and just ask a few questions. What's the significance for him and for us? He says, he comes up out of the water and he hears the voice of the, the father saying, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love delight of my life. Can you imagine being there and hearing this? If you're Jesus. Just two thoughts to think about this. First, what does he actually say? Like, what's the content of what he says? What do you, well, let's, let's think about it this way. What does he not say? Jesus comes up out of the water, and the Father doesn't say, This is my son. He's next, he's next in line. He is my heir to take over my ministry. That's just how it works. right? The firstborn is the heir, and he takes over the ministry of the Father. And so he's next in line, and he'll take over the ministry now. He's going he's gonna to go. Like when I think of... Uh, Queen Elizabeth, you know, if you follow any of it, like the monarchy, right? That's how it works, right? The firstborn is, becomes the king or the queen afterwards. It's, just, it's the system. I, I can't imagine Queen Elizabeth standing up, like, in public 
when she has to abdicate. Have you noticed that she hasn't abdicated the throne yet? How, how old is she? Is she like 112? <laughs> is, she, is she 100 yet? She's close to 100, right? It's like she can barely move and she hasn't abdicated the throne yet to her son. And of course we can read into that and all of those kind of things. But I can't imagine Queen Elizabeth like standing up and saying anything other than, okay, he's the heir, he's the king, and then moving on. Like that's how it works today. I can't imagine her saying something like that, what God the Father is saying about Jesus. God the Father doesn't say that. He doesn't say, like, uh, here's Jesus. He's, he's going to be really good. Like, he, he's so skilled, you know, and, and to this point, the first 30 years of his life, he's proven himself to be adequate, competent. You know, he's got the skills. He's got the people skills. I think you're really going to like him. He's going to be a good leader. He doesn't talk about Jesus' skills or his competence. Of course, the, you know, that's nice to hear those things. I'm not saying that's not. But that's not what he says. He doesn't talk about the system, what's happening at the moment. He doesn't talk about Jesus' competence. He said, yes, my son, the light of my life. Marked by my love. So that's the context. The other thing is just the context. When... When does he speak these things? If, if you know the story at all, you know Jesus' life, the trajectory of his life, his first 30 years, you know, he grows up and he, and he learns uh, his Old Testament, his Bible, and he goes to school and he works as a carpenter for, you know, his adult life. And at a, approximately 30 years, now in this scene is the first scene he comes into public life, into public ministry. It's the beginning of his ministry, right? It's in public it's the very beginning. He, this, is, this is like the first step of the path that he's going to walk on. And I just want you to reflect just briefly on, the, on that path. Right, we know the path. Well, right out of the gate, if you read on in this story, we might maybe we'll hear this next week, is, is he's tempted in the desert for 40 days. He goes into the desert kind of as a testing period before his ministry. And, 40 days of no food and water, and he's tempted by the devil. And he spends those 40 days tempted to veer away from the ministry, veer away from the difficulty of what was in front of him. So we know that. And then, and then you know, you know the path from there. He goes into public ministry, and he has opposition left and right, and very powerful people want to take him down. And he speaks truth to power. He takes great risk personal risk to do what he's supposed to do and he stays the path all the way to you know public humiliation and unjust accusations and ultimately the cross right you know that that's the path here we are first steps in that path he's just starting on that path I think that's significant that this is when the father says, this is my son, the light of my life. I think that's significant. The content, what he said and when he said it, you know? Like, I think when Jesus was in the desert and he was tempted by the devil and, and when he was walking that path afterwards and, and he had opposition left and right and he had to face 
the powerful, and he had to walk into unjust situations against him, and all of these things. I think when he was in the desert, he he heard, I am the delight of my father. I think he did. When he was tempted away at all of those different times under the pressure of the ministry, I think he heard, I am the delight of my father. I really think it kept him on the path. And, and, and coupled with that, if, if you read about Jesus' ministry, you know that he spent a lot of time, there were lots of times in the Bible where he said, the Bible says, in the morning, early in the morning, before it was light, Jesus what, went out somewhere to a mountain or wherever, to a high place and spent time with the Father. Why do you think he did that so often? Maybe it was because he has to. I think that there's some legitimacy to that, right? It's like, I lean on the Father, and you know I need him, and I need his encouragement to get through all those kinds of things. And I think there's some legitimacy to that. But I think also, he went out, not out of a sense of duty. He wanted to spend time with the one, uninterrupted attention. And the one who delighted in him. Who wouldn't want that? He just enjoyed it. That's what motivated him to go spend time in scripture, go spend time in prayer on a regular basis. I think, I think this experience for Jesus was significant. It kept him on the path. That voice kept him on the path and it motivated him follow the Father, and to, to spend time with the Father, because the Father delighted in him. They were foundational for him. How about for us? Let's think about some applications for us. of the Father speaking these words to Jesus. I think one is what if we what if we remembered and lived like our words were powerful? That's that's one of my thoughts to give you. What would that look like for us? If if we just if we understood fully spoken words. I love you. I forgive you. I'm proud of you. Those can change the reality of someone's experience of life. It can change relationships. And on the other side, you know, when we're, we're frustrated or angry, words can really hurt people. But we also know when we've hurt others with our words, the power of saying, will you forgive me? I was wrong. 
first change relationship. You know, so, so that's one thought for me uh, to give you today. It's just the power of our words. And so maybe reflecting, what are, what are some unspoken words that you feel like God is prompting you to say? Maybe that could be a prayer of yours, just, you know, over the course of the day and maybe as you're reflecting this week. Lord, what do you want me to say? your words at the right time in your place of work or your family or, or wherever that your words make a difference. That's one application. And then the other one is you know, what if we experience what Jesus experienced? That's my other thought. Would that change things for us if we heard from the Father? You are the delight of my life. And I don't mean like, like when I say that and I say the Father delights in you, like I'm just sensing that, like, I can, I can believe that most of us would say I believe that. And I know that's kind of like in the Bible, you know. I believe that God made me and God loves me. That, that's not what I'm saying. That, that's fine and good, and that's, it's important. I'm saying, what if we like could sense it? The delight of the Father. What difference might that make when we are walking a difficult path? When we are facing opposition? When we are facing temptation? You know, temptation away from what God wants us to do. I'm, I'm tempted to go this way that's very selfish and easy. It might be, like, immediately satisfying. I'm tempted to do that right now. Why would I not want to do that? Well, maybe because the Father delights in me. And I want to know that delight and that love. Not, I'm not going to walk this path and I'm going to be obedient because I'm afraid of what God will do to me. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? What if it's the delight that changes me? That's my other thought. What, what if we experience the delight of the Father? I was reflecting on this personally. And uh, many of you know I lost my father. It's been 24 years. Last week, last Saturday, it was 24 years. Which is, uh, if I do my math correctly, that's now I've lived more without him than with him. Like this was the year, which is, you know, which is, which is significant. And of course, as I'm thinking about the, the heavenly father, the earthly father comes to mind. It doesn't have to. It can be a parent or a mother or whatever, the, the, the love that you feel. But the language of the father makes me think of that, the, the earthly father. And uh, I knew, I knew. And I know that my father delighted in me. And that, that has made a big difference to me. And one of the ways that I knew that was careful. Was because he used this camera to take probably thousands of pictures of me. 
And uh, if you were to come into my home, the home that I grew up in, on the wall in the living room was 8x10s, just covered. That's how he did it, with 8x10s. He was an amateur photographer, and a lot of it was just fun for him to be around taking pictures and those kinds of things. And, but this wall of my brother and me is just 8x10s of us, you know, playing soccer and basketball and in band and, and, and you know, do, just doing everything. And of course, it wasn't the pictures that communicated the delight, right? It was that he was at everything. He was always there, whether I was, and I still have vivid memories after a baseball game of us losing and me crying and putting his arm around me and saying, it's going to be okay. You know, having memories of, of him delighting, just being with me. And I remember at his funeral, one of my, I was, I was 23 and one of my high school friends was there he said, you know the thing I remember about your dad? He was always at everything. He was always where you were. And he said it kind of as a lament, because that wasn't true for him. And I remember words that my father would speak to me. I'm proud of you. And I'm telling you, those of you who have, you know, lost loved ones, they stay with you. Those words stay with you. I can't tell you how many times in the last 24 years that I just I just wanted one more time. I would add I was at a moment where I could have I could have I needed to hear those words. I'm proud of you. You're the delight. delights in us, who says that to us. I want to finish today uh, in some prayer, just for maybe two, a couple minutes, and uh, I want to guide us just using our imagination um, in light of what, what we're talking about today, the power of words and the power of the Father speaking to us. Um, and so I'm going to, Kathy, why don't you come up and, and we'll just go right into our final song after our time of prayer. But will you indulge me and I'll, I'll just guide us in through through uh, kind of using our imagination and praying for the Father. Okay, so let's 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 pray. You can whatever posture you want to take. Right, you're outside, so if you if you want to stand or, or sit, whatever. Let's let's pray. passage in scripture from Zephaniah that tells us that the Father sings over us. And so I just want to use our imaginations and imagine the Father singing over us. Singing over you. And of course, who sings over anybody? It's, it's the loving mother over a child that she delights in. 
It's the loving father singing over a child he delights in. So the father's singing over you. Just use your imagination. What is that like for you? What are you feeling? What are you sensing? The father says, you are the delight of my life. my daughter. You are my son. Now, on the other side, just imagine how he feels about you. him feeling delight in you. Because he does. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for loving us, not because of our competence or what we've done or haven't done or because you have to, because it's part of what you do or it's part of some system. We thank you, Father, for your love for us just because. I pray, Father, for us here listening to my voice that we would more and more come to experience your delight in us and live in that experience to know it the core of our being as your son Jesus did in whose name we pray